Shelby's walked away, target is there, but it's going to be Kieran Trippier with the free kick! Oh, oh, yes! What a goal! Kieran Trippier for Newcastle United into the bottom corner, direct from the free kick. And St James's Park rises to celebrate Trippier's first goal in black and white stripes. Jordan Pickford beaten low down. Trippier has extended their lead with 10 minutes to go. It's Newcastle United 3, Everton 1. When the blade races, it was on the 92. 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus from Barbaras, she was heavy laden. And away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, my lads, you should have seen us standing. Passing the folks along the road just to see us standing. All the lads and lasses there, and all the smiling faces. Gang the land of Scotland Road, to see the Bladen races. Flow past Armstrong's factory and up by the Robin Adair. What's good, ladies and germs? We are back at it again with another episode of CHN Radio. Yes, after a long-awaited hiatus, we are back at it, and it's exciting. I'm your host, Elijah Newsom, and today I am joined by a new face, which you can't Hello. see because it's a podcast. Uh, Marcus, Marcus, who are you? And um, well... My name's Marcus. I'm 24 years old. I'm a half Norwegian, half English, Geordie born, obviously. I mean, I was born in Germany, but, you know, just to keep it light, I suppose. And obviously been following Newcastle for a long, long time. Been a a fan of the pod as well for a long, long time. And I've been sort of itching to go back into, into podcasting. And now with the rebirth of my own excitement for Newcastle United, I thought I'd I thought I'd give it a shout now that you were a, a man down, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Greg. He's he's not dead again. He's having a baby. He's having For legal a baby. reasons, he yeah. is not dead. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're excited. Marcus is joining us. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be dope. This is the first time we're doing anything like this together. Um, Marcus and I just had our first ever conversation about 15 minutes ago. So this will be an exciting one for sure. But, you know... First things first, first order of business. We got to make sure people are following us on the socials at Coming Home in UFC and at CHN underscore podcast. Guess you can follow your boy at Elijah underscore Newsom. And Marcus, do you want people to follow you on Twitter? I mean, I don't know. Um, I would love for people to follow me on Twitter, but I have to make a Twitter account that I would mm. like to be associated with the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for next week, dear listener. And I will have a twitter account that makes a bit more sense because i just made one and it's a bit silly i've got to be honest (laughs) oh hey 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 i think we should just keep telling people you're going to make an account and then you just never make one oh yeah that would be good that would make me a bit mysterious yeah it's like yeah yeah that would be no idea who you are in fairness marcus i didn't even know your name until i got your email because your your current twitter account doesn't have your name on it so yes exactly because i'm i'm one of the people who i i shy away from anything online so the fact that i even sent you a message was a pretty big step for me there you go i love that the internet (laughs) it's wild so um you know what Uh, we should get right into it there's a lot to talk about and for this episode we're going to focus on just the the everton just the football aspect like I think we can regroup and talk about Newcastle's January and like all of the things that have happened. But for now, we're just going to talk about the, 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 what happened this past <laughs> Tuesday against Everton and then what's going on upcoming this Sunday against Villa. So um, for those who've been living underneath the rock, Newcastle, um, we won. We won. We won a second yeah. match in a row against Everton after the old winter break. Um, Newcastle pulled out a 3-1 win against Everton. And Marcus, when the, the whistle blew for full time, because we do this and you've heard the podcast, I want to hear what your three words were to describe the match. My three words. And um, that was excellent. I think that would have been my three words. That was excellent. Because well, I was, yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good summary of three words from my end. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, and so that we, we, of course, we asked the fans. Um, in fairness, I asked the fans from the main account because I've got a new phone and forgot to add the podcast <laughs> accounts to my Twitter. So, so it's from it. So Bossy. you know, we'll we'll get the podcast account up and running. I got the 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 newlywed rust going. So there's all that. Um, so we we asked we asked the people. Um, our boy Eric Schmidt in UFC Indiana says Pickford still sucks. Zach Bowerman says, <laughs> "Yeah, it's good." Classic. Classic. Uh, Zach Bowerman says, "Kieran F and Trippier, Trippier, um, Kim Avery loving this team." Kevin at Kevy Martin says, "Fuck ing, unbelievable." <laughs> so I, oh, well, again, language. Yeah, well, yeah. Hey, it's a family <laughs> podcast. I'll just put yeah, it sure. next to this one. Um, but also, <laughs> just that's not three words. It's it's two words. And he's put a space in between one of the words. So I, I don't know if that even counts. You um, might be literate. I think it counts. Well done. Well, well done. done. Toon Army New England. Uh, I'm not even going to read theirs. It's just LFG, which is let's effing go, which is that's a that's a shout out Tom Brady. He retired. Um, yeah, shout, so, out, shout out the legend. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, do you, do you follow NFL football? Not even remotely. I've been really okay. keen to watch the Super Bowl for maybe the past – umpteen years but then there's always that things that come back where it's like yeah watching the super bowl it's about 25 percent actual american football and then about 75 percent ads yeah yeah and, that's better i mean you know i'm i'm more for that i'm not i'm not bothered about me sports being interrupted by ads but it's because mm-hmm. i really like ads so I'm, i hate me ads being interrupted by sport so no, I'm, I'm, I don't follow. I know of Tom Brady, of course, and yeah. obviously with the name Colin Kaepernick and a couple of other names, but don't really follow it at all. There is, however, a girl at my work who's a huge Green Bay Packers fan because she is that's, from Illinois. That's so that I, I hear they, I, they could go all the way this year, as they say. Yeah, that was me. Well, NFL pod coming soon. Cheers. I, I love it. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> There was a lot to unpack there. I'm, I'm, we will discuss that in the future. Um, okay, then uh, Stork9 says football's fun again. Uh, Joe Terry says that felt good. Sir Bobby knows his entertainers are back, which I don't – I don't – are the entertainers back? I don't know. Pe- um, people are saying it on, on the socials. Yeah, but people say a lot of things on socials. I think um, to be decided or to be announced, it all depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was talking with Marcus before this, and I was like, you know, none of this feels real to me until I see uh, like the 38 points and thus like not in the relegation zone or yeah. 42 points. So I'm not going to say entertainers are back because. Uh, but it was first, entertaining. It was fair. entertaining. It was entertaining. entertaining. And if you look at sort of the shift, Bruce to how there is definitely more entertainment to be found just based on like, I think, football style, if nothing yes. else. That's true. Um, and so, and then the last one is Mama Jordy, who just put the wet emoji three times. So I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to process the that. The wet just, emoji. Yeah, it's like the three, the three water drops, like a splash. Oh yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well done, you. Yeah. Yeah, we're just gonna leave it at that. That's that's that. That's that's that. I think it. That's might it. As well. <laughs> yep. Okay. So uh, moving on. Um, so this was this was big for uh, this is a big day for Newcastle's the first match after the January window. Um, and so um, and it was a much anticipated match because Newcastle this window has one spent the most that I think I think someone had mentioned this. It's the most they've spent in one January. This one January they spent more than they did in all of Ashley's January windows combined, which. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. And also where the biggest spenders in Europe as well, this yeah. January transfer window, which is pretty much almost a, Yeah, I was gonna say like a third of the yeah, exactly. It's wild, it's new and that's crazy. It was I, I was we were talking over each other, but you know that happens. Is mm. a third of uh pretty much everything spent um that window, which is insane. Um so that being said, there were some there were some People brought in, uh, of course, first was Karen Trippier, who we saw briefly uh, before, and Chris Wood as well. Both were signed early on. Um, I'm sure at this point people know it, you know what they bring to the table. Um, Bruno, I'm not going to try to say his name. I've, I've been calling him Bruno Gummy Bears. 
Bruno yeah. Gumijes. I think it's closer to Bruno Guimaraes. Yes, yes. That's wrong as well, but it's closer than Gummy Bears, if nothing else. Bruno, well, you know, that'll work. Bruno G uh, was the big name signing of the window, the, the big coup for Newcastle uh, right before the window closed. And then, um, you know, again, big midfielder from uh, Olympic Lyon uh, can play as an eight or six. You know, we don't need to go into detail um, because we'll save that for a different pod. Uh, I reckon we can talk through each one of these, each one of these guys. And then Matt Target, who people forget Rafa tried to sign Matt Target from uh, Southampton a few years oh. ago. And he was, he's been a mainstay um, in Villa's team. I think last season he started all matches for them or played in all matches for them, which is absolutely wild. And then big yeah. Dan Byrne as well, coming in from Brighton. So we had five, five new boys uh, and people were um, expecting all five to, to start. Uh, but right before uh, Eddie, Eddie Howe said, hey, uh, Dan Burns got a bit of a toe injury. Um, nothing serious, but at that point, I was like, all right, he's not starting. And then I just never thought that Bruno was going to be starting. He'd come in, I think, maybe Friday before, um, yeah. got, got a couple kicks in. But, you know, everyone's like, he's had four training sessions, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And I was like, I guarantee you Newcastle took at least one or two of those days off. He's definitely not going to be playing 90 minutes for Newcastle. Yeah. And I think even if you don't – take those days off like I don't know if they did or not but I think the transition to the Premier League is a fairly large step especially yeah. for some players I don't know if that would have affected Bruno in a large sense but I think it's there is something about easing someone into the Premier League because you see a lot of this with uh, Timo Werner might be a very good example of someone who's mm-hmm. had a very good career in Germany done really well but then maybe there's something about the tempo or the physicality or the intensity of the Prem where it is a huge step up. And I think also there's another element here where it's, we have done well the past, I mean, we're unbeaten in the past four games. Before Evan, it was obviously three. We've looked a lot better under Howe. Do you really want to change half your starting lineup? No. Because that is, <laughs> that is a pretty bold step, let's be honest. Yeah, so I think it made sense to have the lineup he did because there was a new, a new person started. Matt Target at left back did ever so well. I thought yeah. he had a brilliant game, actually. Chris Wood has Prem experience. So does Matt Target. Kieran Trippier, obviously. And he's already played for most of January anyway. Yeah. Uh, Dan Byrne has Prem experience, but is potentially injured. And then there's Bruno, who yeah. has no Prem experience at all. Yeah. And so speaking of lineups, we'll just hop right into that. Uh, this is what, you know, Newcastle rolled out in a 4-3-3, which was kind of big shift uh, at the end of December into January that they've been rocking with, um, with Dubrovka and goal, Trippier uh, on, the, on, on the right, Lascelles, which people were groaning about, starting with the captain's armband alongside Fabian Chair and then Matt Target on the left. Uh, Joe Willock, Shelby, and Joe Linton in the in the midfield with Ryan Frazier, Chris Wood, and Alan St. Maxman in attack. Um, and then Everton came out in a 3-4-3 that, uh, under their new manager, Frank Lampard, uh, and they came out with Mason Holgate in the back, Roy Keane. Not, wow, I've, I've said Roy Keane. I'm thinking of the the person who turned down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they started, they, they started <laughs> Michael Keane uh, and um, – and Yerry Mina uh, with Pickford in goal. Uh, and then in their midfield, they had Townsend, uh, Andre Gomez, Allen, and uh, Seamus Coleman, as well as Damari Gray, Richarlson, and Anthony Gordon up top for them. So they went out with a 3 4 3, you know, a bit of a shift to what they were playing before. Lampard's definitely got a stamp on the team. And it was a surprisingly uh, nearly a six pointer. I mean, both teams. I guess, you know, Everton are just outside the relegation zone and kind of one of those, if they had picked up three points, they would have, you know, pushed their way further away from, especially with how the results went this past weekend. Well, not this past week, this, the, and the midweek matches, uh, they would have, they would have pushed themselves a bit away, but because they're, they were hovering just by the relegation zone and Newcastle were on the cusp of exiting the relegation zone, it became a massive match. And um, it started off with a bang. Um <laughs> It was pretty, I have to admit, the first, I would say the first 10 or so minutes, uh, yeah. honestly, the first 20 minutes, neither team looked good. Uh, <laughs> was... uh, 
Um, the pr- nothing spectacular happened goal wise, but I think yeah. you could tell that the pressure we were putting out in yeah. game seven, we definitely had the first ten minutes because I mean the. I mean, we stood. We we had a high line for all the game, but I thought the pressure we put on them in those first ten minutes was exceptionally impressive for us to be. If you're a Liverpool, Man City, doesn't really look good, but for our sake, I thought that was pretty brave because obviously a high line, a lot of room in the back, but we pressed them fairly well. And then, yeah, for me, it was that round ten minute mark, like you said, where things became a bit more. I'll just say stale. The first half yeah. was. Nothing really scary happened, at least on our end. Nothing too exaggeratingly spectacular hadn't happened at Everton's end either, if you discount the two own goals, to be fair. Yeah. So it, it was a pretty okay-ish first half, but I thought we started really well. And I think that was pretty important for us to sort of set that tone, build on the incredible atmosphere in the stadium. But now I'm sure you've all seen the, the, the clips and the pictures from like war flags and uh, just it it I I I was I was on the airport earlier today and I watched the sort of pitch side camera. Oh yeah, I still get goosebumps from that huge massive flag coming up. So I think we started off fairly well, to be honest. Yeah, and and, and that's fair. I I just thought it it there was a moment like you said probably when it when it got a bit stale. That it was yeah. like, oh, mm, both of these teams do not look great, uh, and, <laughs> uh, and and so then we got some excitement. Thirty uh, sixth minute, uh, it was there was a, a silly foul given away by John Joe Shelby uh, that only um, only resulted in John Joe picking up a yellow. A couple of nervy moments, I think. You know, all things considered, with the amount of fouls there were in this game. The ref yeah. did a good job of, of controlling it. Uh, you know, there were some 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 naughty yeah. tackles in there, but you yeah. know, Don George should probably maybe have been sent off. I think it I, when I watched it back the first time, I thought it's not that bad, but then you see it again and it's it's just not on. I think he's somewhat lucky to not have gone off actually, but you know, yeah. I mean, I'll take that look any day because I mean, we've had it coming, I feel. Yeah, uh, and exactly. Uh, that's, that's spot on. Um, and so there, that led to a free kick that resulted in just a bizarre own goal where, you know, based on how LaSalle's had played, you know, basically the entire season, um, immediately the blame was, <laughs> was just like, you, there were so many tweets that were just like, oh my gosh, LaSalle's is shite, blah, blah, blah. And in yeah. fairness, it's a bit unlucky from an on goal perspective where he's just gotten in the way of someone trying to clear off the line. It's yeah, it's exceedingly unlucky because what happens essentially is like balls coming in from the left. Uh, I think it's a bad header from an Everton player. A Newcastle player tries to, to clear it and then he kicks it into LaSalle's who's also, I'm assuming trying to get there at least in front of an Everton player. And yeah. sort of besides shifting out of the material realm, he couldn't really have done anything to avoid that. Yeah. But it's, as you said, it's sort of the when it rains, it pours. And then it was just like, of course, that's the own goal he scores. Yeah. But the thing that sort of, I think, shows that he's maybe had a bit of development as well is, and I think Kieran Trippi had a big hand on this, but we actually looked up for it straight after the own goal. Mm-hmm. Where we, whereas we typically, under Steve Bruce, would probably have sulked a bit and, all right, well, second half then and we'll go. We actually got back. And 107 seconds later, Lascelles produces a thumping header, which goes off the bar and then goes into an Everton known goal from Holgate, I think. Yeah. And it's like, I think in Prem history, it's the lowest amount of time between two own goals ever. Yeah. So Lascelles actually, because you could tell he had this call because he's standing very close to the edge of the box. He puts two hands up and he runs around the back. And he dominated in the air there, and he sadly hit the crossbar. I would have, I would have liked to see him score it because I felt he deserved it. But I think that's sort of the telling thing about that is that we didn't just sulk and be like, "All right, well, let's just defend the rest of the half." Then, yeah, and and I, and I'd say, you know, like you said, in that moment, it actually felt like uh, <laughs> it felt like uh, he scored it. I, I mean, I initially thought he scored it. I, it was just a lot of bodies in the box. And of course, 
they show the replays and even in the initial replays, it was a bit like, all right, who scored this uh, um, type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it happened quick, it was, but it was the same with the LaSalle's one though. Even if you watched it back at normal speed, it's, it's hard to see what really goes on unless you watch it a two or three times. Yeah. So, so yeah, that happened. And, and, you know, after that, there was actually a couple more chances in there. Newcastle actually kind of woke up after that. You, it started, the, the tide started to definitely turn towards Newcastle controlling that game. Uh, it did feel like Everton running a bit out of ideas. Everton also, you know, to their credit, um, had a couple of early injuries that that kind of maybe derailed some of their initial game plans. Um, Deli yeah. Ali had to come on um, pretty early on. And, you know, it just had to lose a defender as well. Like, you know, it's some stuff definitely – odds were in Newcastle's favor when you have to make, you know, two subs before the 50th minute mark um, due to injury. Yeah, it was, it was two subs in the first half. And I think a big loss for them was Yeremina. Because yeah. what I've gathered from a lot of Everton fans is he's sort of the one who, who sort of corrects and bosses that defense for them. And obviously when yeah. you lose that, especially when you're playing in a back three, which can be fairly vulnerable, Mm-hmm. And you know when uh, Coleman's not necessarily doing too well as like right wing back, I think that was a huge loss for them because obviously I think Frank Lampard said this in his post match as well. It's like, well, I didn't really have flexibility in terms of subs, so it's hard to change the game because like I think the one who came on for Yeremina was Broadway or something. Yeah, yeah it's like a, an academy product. Yeah, nineteen uh, years the, old. <laughs> yeah and it's i i can imagine that is a bit of a that's a bit of an ask yeah of a young lad who's not necessarily got all that much experience to come in for the person who sort of bosses that midfield or defense for them sorry yeah and and, and again like you said tall ask to come in on the manager's uh premier league debut in a yeah. in a match where like three points can kind of turn the tide for the everton the everton season for, for everton's mm. season so yeah, it's a big ask, but again, we move on to the second half where again Newcastle came out firing on all cylinders. A lot of yeah. lot of chances. Um, I mean, Alan St. Maxman was was brilliant in this game. Um, you know, yeah. which you know, every, I think, and you know, I find myself, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be the the bigger man amongst <laughs> Newcastle fans and say, hey, I, hand up when when he when he you know gives the ball away at times. I'm like, man, you know, hey, just pass the ball. Mm-hmm. On occasion, and sometimes I, I get, especially I think I think for me it's been more frustrating under Howe because I it's 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 forgivable in the Bruce era where, like you said, like Marcus admits there there were the players weren't you know there 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 you could ask questions of how good the team was overall, but also like tactically we just weren't all we weren't as involved as we have been with Eddie. Where now there's there's like options for ASM, and it's like sometimes you're like yeah. I mean, dude, just pick out the pass like. We've actually got decent players up there for you to pass it to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he proved all of us wrong. Uh, this this match and was absolutely bossing and directly yeah. led to the 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 second goal for Newcastle to give him the the advantage. And who else but the smallest man on the pitch, Ryan Fraser, <laughs> deals with just a ridiculous. I don't even know how it was. I guess it's technically like a, a botch clearance, deflected cross, whatever you want to do putting the ball in a dangerous area and there's, there's literally three bodies in the area and that's what you like to see. Um, yeah. Phil Willick was up there. I want to say Chris Wood was up there as well. And then it falls to Fraser who just kind of like mishits it and it just bounces over the line, barely hits the back of the net, but it doesn't matter because it's a goal and that's all that matters. Yeah. I think to start with, I feel like Alison Maximum had his sort of development in that Everton game. So it was sort of really um, showed Newcastle's, Mm-hmm. The development during that game as well, because the first half I thought he, he should have released the ball a bit more, maybe a bit nervous. I'm probably not nervous, but you know, shaky. But as we grew in confidence when we came out that second half, he was releasing those balls at the right moment. Because it's it's as you said during the whole game, he was, you know, there's three, four Everton players around him, and particularly you can see that really well at the Fraser goal. I think there's four Everton players sprinting towards him, and he has. How on earth he gets down to the line there to deliver that crossing? It's yeah. criminal almost for Everton defending. Yeah. But he gets that good crossing into a dangerous area, and then Ryan Fraser just picks up the scrap. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't need more than that because he's so dangerous. And even though he doesn't necessarily get an assist or a goal, he always gives that because he is 
probably one of the most dangerous players in the Prem. And that's probably amplified by the fact that Newcastle, at least up until now, have had no other options to play on. We're not getting goals from anywhere else. So yeah. I think he did really, really well, all in all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, he's been absolutely brilliant this season. And uh, I mean, this is actually, it's, it's actually sneakily had probably, and I even probably he sneakily had his best season so far um, at Newcastle. <laughs> he's got five goals and three assists and we're just at, you know, around the halfway point in the season. So we're just past halfway point. I, I can't, I can't tell, uh, which is, which is good. Um, it's actually good, good production from him. Um, and so that was how that happened. And again, the Newcastle continued to just really be on the front foot the entire second half. There were a lot of opportunities and chances, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to the 80th minute where Ryan Fraser again, and this is also just, I don't know if you care, but people were up in arms because one, they wanted to see Bruno play. And two, yeah. Eddie Howard actually did not make any subs until um, after the the third goal in the 80th minute that we'll talk about, but just real quick, did, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of revisionist history, but did you, in the moment where you like make a sub or were you just like, I trust um, Eddie? Not, not really. Cause I mean, I think it's sort of when, cause we were obviously building in confidence. I think this squad is, cause it sounds like they've done a lot of like sort of bonding and team building and like working yeah. on that morale and the culture, but still we aren't in a situation where if we lose a game or take a wrong step, it's fine. If we were mid table, it's fine. But we were, we had, if we won this game, we got out of the relegation zone, which we Mm -hmm. did thankfully. And it's sort of, it can be a bit scary bringing someone on if you're not sure they're the right person. And when you're protecting a one goal lead, obviously a fluke could bring that back. So I, didn't really think about it at all because nobody looked particularly lethargic. I thought everyone actually played really well. Willock, I think, had his probably best game all season. Definitely a bit rusty first half, like giving the ball away a couple of times. But no, I didn't notice that at all. I don't think there was any, there yeah. weren't any burning areas of the pitch where we're like, shit, this person is playing shit. We have to replace it or we need something else because we were doing well. We were getting chances. We were not dominating the game, but we were obviously the side that had the emphasis. So I don't think we needed a change, really. Yeah, and, and my whole thing as well was, uh, you know, majority of the people who started outside of uh, of Target, um, basically like been he had two week break and been training and like you know you've had some you know match simulation like so. Just like if there was ever a match where you could play your players for as long as you could, it was probably this match coming off of a two-week break um, with still a decent bit of rest until the next game. Like, yeah. it, it, it's you. this was probably, like, I, I, I wouldn't fault. I mean, again, obviously it worked out, but, like, I wasn't too pressed about it as well. But, yeah, going on to this this last goal, um, probably already goal of the season. A contender I, like it's it, it was due to happen when we brought in kieran everyone was was tweeting out the the uh video of the world the the uh not the world the cup world the, the euro final yeah yeah the yeah the <sighs> tweeting out videos of, of of his free kick goals uh for england national team and all that good stuff but we got one for newcastle ryan fraser uh won a a free kick in a dangerous area um just a bit clumsy of a challenge from alan there who just sticks his foot out and one of those where he gets the ball, but like it, it just allows no no space for the player to operate and just on the follow through, Ryan just trips and it, it's a pretty cut and dry, you know, hey, it's a foul, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Good yeah, spot. Clear yeah, clear fall, good spot. Kieran bends it around the right hand side of the of the wall and just slots <sighs> it into the into the corner. Pickford diving for it. And uh yeah, no, no chance of stopping that. You want to blame Pickford's T-Rex arms, but it also just was a good free kick. Like it was just good and it was a goal. Yeah. And um it, it, was, it was excellent. Like you said, curls it outside the right hand side of the wall and into the bottom corner. It's that's a tough save for any keeper, I reckon. And obviously yeah. it's a really good free kick. And I think the distance of it as well, because the thing is the ball didn't go that high up into the air so it's not the easiest thing to see for a goalkeeper at that distance so it's hard to read the ball's trajectory straight after the kick so I reckon you lose a couple of hundred milliseconds or whatever which also makes it harder plus you know he's got the arms of a baby that yeah. that, that yeah. is a bit of a flogged horse at this point 
another key highlight from the game mm-hmm. the the fan in the t-rex suit oh yes amazing that's beautiful amazing <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm honestly surprised they just let him in walking in like that like or did you think he hit it and then blew it up there like i'm because it's one of those inflatable t-rex costumes so i'm just like how did, did did that person just walk in with the t-rex costume that's what i'm wondering i hope i hope he did but it also makes sense that he would have blown it up in there but it doesn't matter we got it we got it and that's all that matters it was an amazing yeah. moment yeah <laughs> And so um, just uh, uh, overall great match. Um, after that, we had some subs. Jacob Murphy came on, uh, Javi Mankio came on, and then the much-awaited debut in about the 89th or 90th minute for Bruno. He happened. And yeah. <laughs> and not going to lie, lived up to the hype, the, the hype of a debut. Like, came on, immediately yeah. was, like, sprinting. I think he immediately, like, he won a, won a challenge. He had a, a clever little back heel. He played a he played a ball over the top to to um, ASM, I believe, as well. Like yeah. it's one of those where okay, um, he looks he he looked pretty comfortable. He looked like he he belonged, and I'm excited. I'm sure that you know the Villa the Villa match might allow us to maybe see a little bit more of him if he doesn't start. I'm sure he'll come in a little bit earlier as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that that's the match in a nutshell. Um, I do want to just quickly shout out some great defensive plays. I think. Jamal Lascelles, uh, he had a, a key clearance um, where they played a ball over the top. So I want to say it was, uh, it was Andrews Townsend and Jamal just came in with just like this crazy sliding tackle, won the ball completely cleanly. Kieran's over there, like hyped as, hyped as heck and all that good stuff. Uh, so <laughs> there were some, there were some, we got, I had to shout out the defensive highlights, but um, final question uh, for, for you, Marcus, man of the match, who are you giving it to? Oh. Oh, that is a tough one. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, ASM is always a good shout, but I think it has to be for me between Fraser and Trippier, and then I think it's going to be Trippier who gets it, just because he just did so much, and I think he did give so much to this team, and I think he showed everything in this game. But I yeah. think there are a lot of people. I think nearly in the entire starting eleven deserves a lot of praise. Yeah. Willick, who's been through it slightly, had a good game, yeah, best game all season. John Joe Shelby, silly, silly yellow card, probably should have been sent off, but he did well after that. He was tracking back. He didn't get too engaged. Matt Target, he didn't do that much of note. Like you're not going to see anything popping up in like any compilation videos but he just had such a solid game at left back yeah uh, Chris Wood it was a shame he had a goal disallowed rightfully so for offside um, the only thing I missed there is a goal but I think his involvements were fair enough uh, Joe Linton obviously doing well and especially on Eddie Howe he's been incredible actually leads now the Premier League for most tackles per game as a midfielder he has four and a half tackles a game and it's like of all midfielders in the Prem who've started five or more he leads that who'd have thought it Lascelles obviously did really well sort of maybe a bit back to what we've seen of him or like where he sort of became like Newcastle United's captain was like you know he is fierce he goes hard in he's good in the air a bit more back to that Cher also a silly foul down on Newcastle United's left hand side but you know he did well He's not doing badly. Dubravka had a couple of good saves. I think everyone deserves a shout out, but for me, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And you kind of hit on what I was going to say. And always the next point is just anyone you're going to give a shout out to. And I think you, you nailed it on. Uh, for me, it's, it's probably trip Trippier as well. Um, I mean, I think ASM obviously deserves, is probably going to be the man of the match for most people. But when you look at the little things that Kieran did that match, it's like, you know, from, getting everyone's mentality right to just being as involved as he could. I mean, you know, even the simple things like, you know, wherever he was at a set piece, if the, if the first ball, you know, wasn't great and nearly all of his, his, his set piece balls were insanely good. You know, if Newcastle were able to get the clear to recycle possession, he's like immediately there, wherever they, you know, just swinging back and up, just like yeah. the small things that you just, you didn't have at Newcastle before. And it's like, it's one of those where it, it you you talk about all the things that this current 
ownership group has done right and what they've done wrong, where they could have improved. That's probably the best thing they've done so far was like that was their first signing. And it's a good one. You bring in someone with experience, someone who's class, someone who, you know, you know, if things go wrong, et cetera, et cetera, easily could step up as a captain. And now it feels like there's a core of of leaders on this team that can actually back it up with their play as well. Instead of yeah. just having a captain that, you know, gets to go out there every start, it feels like Jamal Sells is having to elevate his game because, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't too bad in leads as well. He's had to elevate his game because that's what Kieran and everyone else is demanding of them. And I think that's only going to continue with, with guys like Dan Byrne coming into the side as well. And again, if there was one player I wanted to shout out besides those two, it would have been Matt target because like you said, you, you, it's always, it's always good when, you know, there's, there's, there's performances where it's good that no one's heard anything from you. Like you've had, it's been a quiet day for you. And that's one of those things where like, as a left back where Newcastle like have struggled with that position for ages, mm-hmm. having a consistent player there, that's going to be just no, no crazy mistake. Like he didn't make a mistake. And that's, that's all we've asked for from that position yeah. in particular for, for years. And so he didn't make a mistake. You know, he provided cover, you know, ASM was able to get forward. He got back. He had no issue. If he needed to get involved in the attack, he swung in a couple of crosses, you know, again, nothing spectacular, nothing to make mm-hmm. the, uh, the the footy highlight combination on on youtube but you know he was there he was solid and it was good yeah it was it was it was really really good from that time yeah. i mean if you if you mentioned this a bit already but like aston villa's players player of the year i think last season mm-hmm. uh, struggled a bit more this season and obviously luca dean came in from everton actually yeah and is probably a better player but what everyone's heard about Matt Tide is that he's just a consistently solid left back. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, even disregarding the fact that that is a huge upgrade, <laughs> I yeah. think just having that consistency and that stability just gives so much. Cause it's like you said, it gives ASM a solid base on the left to actually go from. He can put in a good cross. He can defend well. He gives structure to the back four. I think what he gives the team, it's, I'm not trying to compare him in quality or talent, but it's sort of a Busquets role at Barcelona in those like heydays. Cause you know, everyone's yeah. going Xavi and Iesta Messi is like, wait, Busquets was playing. And it's like, you can't really tell, but he's actually doing such an important role. It's a bit of a, sort of the same as N'Golo Kante in some yeah. ways as well. Yeah. So I think it's such a good signing, Matt Target. Such a good signing. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, preview Aston Villa. So uh, we will take a break right now. Okay, we're back. Um, Newcastle play again. Uh, it's 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 fun. Uh, we get to watch this team, and it's like you know maybe for the first time in a few in a few weeks, it's like oh, looking forward to playing again instead of like that waking up with that existential dread of like ah. All right, is it is it going to be a is it going to be a loss? Like, are we going to do like you don't want to feel too hopeful? But after the Everton match, uh, I think a lot of people are feeling fairly confident. Uh, Villa yeah. are there. I mean, it's not like they're bad. Uh, they're they you know leaking in a, a bit of goals recently, and they'll have some injuries. But regardless, like this team, this Newcastle team looks better than just the beginning of the season. So. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Marcus, uh, I'm I'm ready to just get into it and talk about who they've got injured. Is that okay with you? Yeah, crack on. All right. So for Newcastle, we'll start with Newcastle because these are these are stuff that's not, you know, relevant towards us. Uh, basically, of the players named in the squad, um, we've got uh, Callum Wilson, who, you know, that's a different conversation altogether. He's yeah. obviously not <laughs> playing. Uh, Federico Fernandez uh, is obviously out um, as well. He should be returning though fairly soon. He's done some light training, things like that. Uh, Matt Matt Target unfortunately cannot play this match because it's against his parent club. Um, yeah. And then Paul Dummett is also um, unavailable. And Matt Ritchie is is uh, it, Paul Paul Dummett and Matt Ritchie. This Eddie had said this right before again with the Dan Byrne sort of toe thing. He's, mm. He said, you know, they've also been dealing with a bit of injuries as well, which kind of, again, just sidebar, why leave Jamal Lewis out of the squad if 
the other two left back options were both injured. But okay, that again, we don't need to unpack that. Like that's that's, that's just a, that's going to take some time to yeah, unpack. That's, I think. Yeah, I that's a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, uh, Dan Byrne, not not seeing him listed anywhere on any site as like being injured. So I think the toe thing was just like a hey, he's probably not going to play this match. He might play. Um, but I wouldn't yeah. bet a ton on it. And then um, Kieran went off uh, in the last match as well with just a bit of a, a small calf injury. I'm not sure if it's going to be serious. Um, there's a there's enough time for uh, – we've seen, you know, the likes of ASM and, and folks come back from some of those small calf streams or, or cramps. Yeah. So, I don't – I mean, I ideally he starts. Um, and then for the there Villa side – yeah. For the Villa side, Bertrand Traore uh, – just has a bit of a knock, nothing crazy. He might play, he might not play. Um, Emiliano Buendia, he uh, he picked up a bit of an injury in their last match. Um, Leon, ba- Leon Bailey as well as um, he's he had a thigh injury. I, I, I like almost forgot that he was he was on this team. He had an injury way back in November, and it's and it's one of those things where it's like. I'm American, so we're watching like Concacaf qualifying, and I'm like, "Where is Leon Bay? Like Jamaica should be better than they are." And it's like, "Oh yes, he's been injured. <laughs> he's supposed to come back at some point in February." And uh, you know, we'll have to wait for the the pregame pressers. And then, um, uh, let's see, is anyone, anyone else? I think Marvelous the Comba is out. Yeah, Marvelous the Comba is out as well. Um, he'll be back in April, but that's not important. So um, now that I've sort of laid out all the injuries. Marcus, who do you think starts for Newcastle? Um, well, let's take the obvious one, Matt Target's out. I'm thinking Mankiel, maybe, because I know Dan Byrne can play left-back, and, I mean, that he's probably a good option. He's been playing really well for Brighton of late, but I'm thinking Mankiel, especially after he did have a pretty good step in against Leeds, obviously winning the free kick and... Yeah. Looking positive. But other than that, let's say Trippier starts and fingers crossed, of course. I don't necessarily know if he's going to make any changes. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about Bruno in the midfield for someone just to cover for Coutinho, really. And I think that's not a bad idea, but there is still some element to this is still, I think, a somewhat fragile group and the, just the put where we are on the table being so dangerously close to the relegation zone. It's not necessarily a don't change a winning formula, but this is looking good. We've played well the past two games. I don't, I didn't see the match in Saudi Arabia because I mean, we're technically we've won the past three. Yeah. And yeah. we did draw the two first before that, where we've looked better than we have done like for a, a long stretch now. So I I think how might not actually make too many changes, but I'm definitely thinking if Bruno doesn't start, he's probably looking to bring him on for at least a half or 30 minutes. Because we do, do still have the most effective tackler of the midfield in the Premier League in Joe Linton. So yeah. he, he could probably do a job there now that he's... Because that is a thing that impressed me about Joel Linton versus against Everton, his aggression. Yeah. Lord yeah. almighty, he was aggressive. And yeah. he made smart challenges. So I'm, I don't think there's going to be too many changes. I might be wrong, but I think he's going to keep it fairly stable and try to at least. Does uh, Now, I think this, this, last, this last match against Everton was a big one for Jamal Asal. Someone was even... Some people were even saying like, you know, this this match, that match was going to determine his future at Newcastle. Is he even going to be in the plans for Newcastle? And he delivered. And again, that's also, that's Newcastle fan speak. That's Jordy speak. So I don't know if that's legitimately the case. But you can make an argument that if Jamal Osells had gone out there and had a stinker, he was going to likely be in the conversation being dropped. Now we're at a point where you've got Dan Byrne who can slot in a left center back position. Fabian Shear wasn't terrible but you know he wasn't nope. like he wasn't he wasn't to the level of of maybe how Jamal played so would Cher be dropped for Dan Byrne if Byrne is of course able to to play Pro- maybe maybe I think I think Cher is probably the most likely to be dropped of the players who started 
against Everton just because, like you said, he didn't play badly against Everton at all. But he does have he does have a shoddy foul in him a game sort of thing. And he, because you know he's a, he's a sexy centre back. You know he can yeah. play the nice crosses. He can do a bit of a dribble, a long shot every here and then. But I think if Dan Byrne is looking good and you slot him in, I don't think that's a bad shout. But yeah, it's probably going to be share if anything. Because I think of that midfield three, you're not dropping Joel Linton because he's been brilliant since Howe came in. Joel Willick had his best game, and I think it's a confidence thing for him potentially, dropping him after he's just had a, an actually also a very good game, but also his best game in his sort of comeback to form he had previous season. Shelby you do lose because like Shelby as well, he's not the most impressive midfielder, but he does have that Hollywood pass in him. He has one or two of those blockbuster passes a game. And the way he sort of covered defensively against Everton, he did well. So I don't know who of them three would take out either for Bruno. So I think, yeah, if anyone's going off it, share. Yeah. Um, I would agree with I, – I think I would agree with you on a couple points. I, I think we didn't have to mention it, but I'd be shocked if Dubrovka wasn't starting in goal. That back line, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely I would see Mankio playing out on the left. Uh, I, You know, Eddie could do something and, you know, maybe if Richie or Dummett – it's just you don't need to force it. If they're injured, they're injured, you know, whatever. Yeah. And if they're back in training, I could see it happening, but you just – I just, I think I would, if I'm Newcastle, I'd rather go with the more stable defensive option where it feels like you play Matt Ritchie at left back because there was no offense coming from the back line, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that's not the case anymore. And there's, 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 there's the offense looks better. Um, so yeah. I, I, I agree with you on there. And then with Dan Byrne, that's a tough one. I do think if, if there was someone that I would say, if you asked me to put five on someone who's going to get dropped, I think it'd be one of the two center backs just because um, I think, Share, share again, share wasn't bad. He just LaSalle's was so good that he's now almost undroppable. And like mm. Dan Byrne, where Share played, he played in that left center back position. He's not left footed. Dan Byrne can slot right yes. in. Yeah. Is left footed. And also you know, he doesn't do it. He's not as ambitious as Share with it, but has the ability to pass the ball well and retain possession well as a center back, which is like Again, something Cher is good at, but it's like it's a more of a like for like swap. Whereas, you know, like LaSalle's, you know, again, he had a good game. So, it, it, you know, it's it's something yeah, to, to. And I think there's an element to LaSalle's as well where he is our captain and he has yeah. been for a while. And I think he is well respected. And I think if he continues building his form back to where he can be, like, because he. You know, two, three, four seasons ago, people were going, why can't he play for England? Oh, yeah. He did, like, sort of boss our defence and was organising. And if he can get back there, I think that's excellent. Plus, dropping a captain, it is a strong just stance to take from Eddie Howe. I don't think he's going to do it, especially not now that Lascelles is getting back to it. He's got Trippier next to him. And he's actually played with some of that sort of intensity and ferocity that sort of made him because like technically ability wise he's never going to be a brilliant center back you know we're not going to remember him sort of oh do you remember that center back one 30 odd year ago jamal was oh he was brilliant that's not what he's going to be remembered for but he could still be a good captain and i think Mm -hmm. overall has been so i think that pretty much excludes him because there's a lot of people also saying oh can't trip you be captain course he can be captain he'll be a brilliant captain but dropping a captain mid-season that's a strong stance especially when there's when he's coming back into form yeah that's, and, and that's again yeah if, if he'd been rubbish all season and was continuing to be rubbish there's potentially a shout there but then there's still all the like sort of back office off the pitch stuff so yeah. Jamal Sell starts I'm adamant he starts yeah, and you're 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 spot on there, and we kind of talked about with the leadership as well. Like he, Callum Wilson even said on his podcast, like one of the reasons he was even in Saudi Arabia was like Eddie sees him as someone who is kind of you know one of the 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 leaders on the team, and he wanted him there for the the, the bond, the activity. So I think, like you said, it, it'd be a bold stance to drop a captain, especially mm-hmm. since it seems like Eddie has his sort of core group of leaders, and it appears to probably be somewhere along the lines of like Matt Ritchie and. 
Callum Wilson, Jamal Sells, and and Kieran as well. And you just mm-hmm. there's no reason to drop Lamal at this uh, not Lamal Jamal at this moment. Um, I would I would push back slightly on the midfield thing. I think Joel Linton feels like he's a bit undroppable at the moment, but yeah. I think that the qualities of Willock and and Shelby are stuff that you also find in Bruno. And just because Bruno is so good going forward and defending, I could see, and again, it's not like I would agree with it. I understand like incorporating people into the side and all that good stuff and not wanting to mess up the chemistry. But I do think like we're talking over the next couple of games, I'm curious to see which one of those two ends up getting the boot. And unfortunately I feel like it's going to be Willock because I think one, he could be impactful off the bit. Yes. I just think he, I, I think, Partially because I think Eddie likes Shelby. That's number one. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as much as you don't want to, you don't want to play favorites. I think it's like, it's, it's part of it is like, everyone's got their own biases, but I also yeah. think Willick was also very productive for Newcastle off the bench last season. And he's one of those guys, if he can give you a good 30 minute shift of making those dangerous runs and also tracking back and just making those late runs, he could be someone that could, seal off a game for us and again it's a it seems a bit unfair because in an ideal world sure get them all starting but we we've only got 11 <laughs> spots on the pitch and so, but yeah i think and i and and that and that that to say like and again i don't want to spend too much time on this because i don't want it to be like a, a mega a mega pod but i could see a future in which uh shelby is dropped um for a midfield in which you've got no player over the age of like what 26 or 25 or something like that yeah. um you got a nice young core of a midfield to really build around with Willock and Bruno in there as well um, with both of them yeah. handling a bit more of the kind of playing as dual eights while Joel Linton plays a bit more advanced and, and does what he does well, which is being smart with his challenges and pressing and winning the ball Ooh. back in dangerous positions. I think that is a, a possibility. But yeah, and again, yeah. I think that front three doesn't change at all. I mean, there's no reason to change it. No, no, no. There, there's no one to slot in. Um, Jacob Murphy play, played well for those few minutes he was on. He had a shot deflected off the bar, but he's not coming in for Fraser when he's played like he is. Yeah. I do, however, think, not again, not to spend too much time on it, but I think Shell, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think he's dropping Willick because he gives a lot of drive with the ball and his feet going forwards. And I think from what I've been able to gather about Bruno G, he is a bit more of a defensively sound, skillful, and he can pull out a pass. So oh, I think we'll ability-wise, switching in with Shelby makes more sense to keep a midfield that is more dynamic than just, we've got three people who can tackle, but none of them really can run or drive or create little passes. That's what Joe Willick can give you. Yeah, I would push back slightly on that because one, Bruno showed he can. Uh, he got yeah. on the pitch and then immediately led, the, like in in six minutes, led the team in key passes, <laughs> and and yeah. was the only yeah. person with a successful yeah. through ball. So uh, I think it's just like <laughs> when when and this happens all the time, uh, especially with with uh, like Premier League fans, is like. I think we we everyone just kind of makes their assumptions based on where that team plays him. But like I watched him against Brazil, he's really good. He's really good with the ball at his feet. He's really good going forward. He's really he, it's actually like it's actually was almost the perfect midfield signing for Newcastle for what they need because he can recycle mm. possession. He can play the ball if he needs to, and he actually pretty aggressively does play massive through balls. Um, you yeah. know, and big cross field switches. He even had a crazy one when he first got on. I think it's one of his first touches was a switch all the way to the other side to mm. it might have been Fraser or or Murphy. One of, it was a crazy switch to the other. No, it was a switch to ASM. Yeah, it, it to to set things off. And then he had a bit of a nice little combination play with ASM. So I think it's like I think he does give you actually what Willock does and Shelby does kind of into one mm. player while yeah. being a better defender than them. Yeah, but but where I would not not necessarily disagree is just I think Willick is a bit of a different attacking player because he, oh, he yeah, doesn't agreed. do any of those sexy passes, but he yeah. he recycles where possess- or he gets possession back in a higher area and he drives with the ball. Yeah, like that's he, true. he makes runs with the ball and can work in those just outside the box areas where we don't see any of our midfielders working now. And again, I haven't watched Bruno play other than those five minutes. But he doesn't seem like the person who would, during a 90 minutes, do that consistent, consistently. And that's where the sort of dyna- 
dynamicism, if that's even a word. Yeah. From a midfield comes from. So that's why I'm thinking potentially Shelby. Yeah. And and the last thing I'll say on this is I think we'll be you'll be surprised with how active Bruno will be. Like he's he's one of those guys, you know, covers a lot of ground, all that kind of stuff. But I do agree with that that dynamism where I think the thing that Willock does that no one else in the midfield does, including Bruno, is that Willock makes the makes these really good off the ball runs and mm. make these really nice late runs in the box that provides him. It's like it's a reason he's gotten so many goals for Newcastle last season. Was he he mm. makes himself a goal scoring threat, which is something that even though Joel Linton is a Ford who's <laughs> <was> playing midfield <laughs> allegedly it's like alleged, allegedly afford it's, like midfield. <laughs> it's something that you don't you don't necessarily see uh from the other midfielders in the bunch so i i do think in an ideal world you know tactically it makes sense for mm-hmm. for shelby to get dropped but i think in the immediate in the short term if he has to drop someone i just don't think it'll be shelby just because i think Eddie just really has liked what he's done in the midfield. I think we could see a situation where they both start and then we see, oh, hey, this is not working. It's too much of the same. And then mm-hmm. Willock gets brought on and Willock maybe holds down that starting position. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's uh, let's move on just because we, we got to. I, yeah. Um, but that was that was great, great discussion and all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> you got any players from Villa that you, we should be watching out for? Well, I'll 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 say the obvious one. Of course, it's uh, Philip Coutinho, uh, newly arrived back to the Prem from Barcelona. I think he's averaged a goal or an assist every forty six or forty five minutes for Villa. Not a lot of games because he came into the Aston uh, the Aston Villa side in the January transfer window. He's obviously. Sc- Scary. I mean, the man's a monster, let's be honest. And yeah. if he keeps this form up, he'll be definitely one of the signings of the season, no doubt. Um, Ollie Watkins, it depends. Uh, it looks like he might be starting. He obviously he has good runs off and he makes good runs. And behind, if we play a high line, if Coutinho's driving and picks a pass, dangerous. And I think it's it's a pretty... I've seen some people mention this on social as well is that this is going to be a different beast entirely from Everton. Cause I think we were in a pretty good position to take Everton where they were weak last game. Mm-hmm. Aston Villa have done well since Gerard came in. They're looking solid. They're not worried about anything. They're looking up without having to worry about what's behind them too much. So they are definitely beatable. There is no doubt about it in my mind that they are beatable, but it's going to be a hard match. Because they yeah. are a good side. They're a solid side. But players to watch out for, Coutinho. He's the one. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. And you're spot on with, with how Villa, Villa are playing well. Um, and Everton were not playing well. Everton had their one, <laughs> you know, cup match against Brentford. But other than that, it's, it's been pretty woeful. And Villa are three the games. the team in the Prem for the last two months, four months, yes. I think. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, Villa are beatable, but, you know, unbeaten in their last three. Um, and so that's something to consider. But, you know, they did lose to Brentford a, a, about a month. I guess that was almost, almost two months ago, I guess, at this point with the winter break. You don't think about it. But, yeah, but they, I mean, so they're beatable. Um, but, again, Coutinho's come in and has played really well for them. And he's definitely been a difference maker, the type of signing that that really they, they needed to see out this season. And I think they firmly cemented themselves in uh in that mid table spot and you know yeah. who knows they could be pushing for like you know eighth ninth that kind of stuff depending on what Brighton and Wolves do um but yeah I I agree uh what would be kind of your your who's the key player for Newcastle in this one um it it very well might be Joel Linton to be honest someone in that midfield to sort of not let uh I think his name's Jacob Ramsey. Mm-hmm. and Coutinho to not let them just run ragged. I think they play more on the left, so obviously Trippier is going to be important. But also considering that Aston Villa, their star centre-back in, I can't remember his first name, Esri Concer, he's obviously off the, he's off the match now because he's got yeah. a red card. So maybe Chris Wood, because Tyrone Mings has not had the best season Maybe yeah. Chris Wood, because obviously he's 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 a brick on on really long legs. Maybe he could do something. I mean, 
anyone could make an impact, but I'm thinking Joe Linton and Trippier defensively and going forwards. Yeah, I'm going to say Chris Wood. I'm going to give it to Chris Wood. Yeah, that, that's what I'd give it Chris to as well. Wood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, again, you kind of hit on it as well. Like, he's you, you're going up against – you're going to be going up against some sort of reserve center back, you know, regardless. Yes. Um, so, you know, you'll be fine. Uh, but um, it's also like it feels like each each match he's done a little bit better. Mm. Has it been, you know, enough to – get things going, you know, for him on the goal side. No, not yet. But, <laughs> not yet. Uh, but, um, you know, I think that he's had, you know, even him being in the right positions for the offsides. And then of course the, the one shot on target he had um, in the last match, I think things, things are looking in the right direction for him and there's going to be dangerous balls swung in, especially as Newcastle, have been able to control the match a bit better than they were in the past. There'll be more opportunities for him to, to get ahead on the ball. Will he be, will he have a hat trick? Probably not, but I think he could definitely. Yeah. Elsewhere. I think. Yeah. And, and let's be real. Like Newcastle, that Ryan Fraser goal was like the only goal we've really scored from open play, like in this miraculous run of form Newcastle are on right now. So mm. there still needs to be, you know, some stuff sorted out with, with how Newcastle looks system wise offensively. Like it's been better, but um, definitely not to the level of the chance creation. That I think Eddie wants out of the lads. Um, so yeah, no, it, here's not. all right, Marcus. So here's the final, um, the final question is uh, what's your prediction? Oh, good heavens. Um, my prediction, I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle. We're at home, 2-1 Newcastle. And I think we are going to score first. Okay. Yep. Roll Tide. That's the thing Americans say. Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've got wow. to integrate here. I'm, I'm, I'm very un-American. Being I love it. Northern European. Roll Tide. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna. I, I. I think I'm gonna go. I think it's gonna be a draw. I think it'll be a one-one draw. Mm, you know, actually, let's go two-two draw. Both teams have been. They have, I think. I think it's gonna be pretty expansive. I just think that Villa. Are, I mean, part of the reason Newcastle did so well against Everton was just like the team. One new manager, new tactics, et cetera, et cetera. But the team just wasn't playing that well, and there were some things that it's like we and we mentioned earlier, but you like there was some stuff that went our way and, and Aston yeah. Villa will be mis- missing some, some players and key attackers, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it's a much more well-oiled machine than we, we saw against yeah. Everton and, you know, even Leeds, like, you know, looking back on it, you know, Leeds dropping points, you know, uh, uh, over the past, the past few matches. So like you kind of look at the Leeds match and you're like, all right, as Newcastle are improving, other teams around them are sort of like, leveling off but Villa has not been one of those teams Villa has been a team that's been as hot as Newcastle over the past couple so you know there I think it'll be I think it'll end up in a draw but you know whatever happens I guess will will happen I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know what else to say there. very well could do very yeah. well could be another nice yeah. little stat from uh, this uh, round of matches Newcastle are the only team in the bottom half of the table to record a win yeah, that's pretty huge for us. Oh, that is and massive. If you disregard Burnley, no one has a game in hand on us below. So I think if we can keep building on this, it will be excellent. And I think that will spur the lads on. I'm maintaining a 2 1. Okay, I love it. Um, well, that's it. That's all we got. Marcus, uh, thanks for joining us on your debut. Thanks for having us. It's been it's been highly enjoyable and dear listener, it can only, it can only get better. I reckon I am also, I've been hired in as the CHN radio um, as European correspondent. So, you know, that's a role like extremely seriously. Yes. I love it. I love it. The European (laughs) correspondent, but actually you, I mean, are you, aren't you, are you, are you trying to go back to Newcastle anytime soon? I'm going in April. I'm going to be, if everything goes my way, watching the Leicester game on the 16th. Well, hey, we might have, for the first time in CHN Radio history, <laughs> someone who is at the match live, like live there. Like you'll have to, you'll have to get you on the on the Twitter or something just to just to send a pic 
I don't know. Oh, definitely. I'll be I'll be tweeting like mad. Notifications off, dear listener, because it could get annoying. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's that's it. That's all. Um, this is Elijah Newsom. That that's Marcus. I don't know if I need to reveal your last name. Um, I don't want the people searching you up, but that's Marcus. <laughs> last name now i'll go by marcus till i get twitter yeah Yeah, there you go there you go marcus mark twitterless marcus and elijah newsom coming at you um that's been chn radio boy the lads and uh yeah we love you guys i had to come to london because i couldn't find a job but i don't intend to stay long if i make a few quick bob it's cold up there in summer like sitting inside a fridge But I wish I was on the case side Looking at the old time bridge I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river time. I'm coming home. Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. The Jody heroes, there's so many famous names like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I've walked the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother's in Hilly Highway. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog. It's in James's pocket, the Gallagher's end in the rear. I'm going-